don't subscribe to the old school way nor the new school way, only the optimal way. The 80-20 Baseball Experience with Coach Ball. The three true hitting plans. Teddy Ball Game. Ted Williams, one of the greatest hitters to ever set foot in a batter's box, said, and for clarity I'll paraphrase, the number one thing a hitter must do with less than two strikes is to swing at a pitch he can drive. The hitter must look for a pitch that can be hit hard and hit far. The great Ted Williams always had a specific hitting plan. He knew where the pitch had to be to allow him to hit the ball hard and hit the ball far. He had a plan in place before the pitcher ever started his delivery, and from there, he was ready to crush his pitch. Like all great hitters, with less than two strikes, he wasn't protecting the strike zone. Rather, he was looking for the pitch to come through an area that allowed him to maximize his power. He surely wasn't wasting his swings on errant pitches, nor was he wasting his at-bats swinging at strikes that passed over the outside corner of the plate at knee height. Teddy Ballgame had a hitting intelligence that was second to none, and he put that knowledge into a simple, repeatable plan. In fact, he prioritized his visual processing skills over his swing skills. Ted Williams clearly knew what was most important when it came to hitting. First, get a good pitch to hit, and then put a good swing on it. Strive to simplify. The famous Albert Einstein said, make everything as simple as possible, but not simpler. Geniuses like Einstein seek to remove all unnecessary complexities. Hitters should do the exact same thing. Great business leaders look to streamline processes and they strive to create clarity throughout the organization. On the field, great coaches teach concepts clearly and concisely. With a similar mindset, great hitters simplify their hitting plan to the simple, bare necessities. In this article, I'll explain that a batter needs only three hitting plans and that knowing exactly which plan to use is actually very simple. Clarification. We'll refer to the three hitting plans as plan A, plan B, and plan take. But you can call them anything you'd like. Just keep it simple. Before moving forward, so we're all on the same page, I'd also like to talk about these phrases that are common in the baseball world. I will use the words hitting plan, which is synonymous with hitting approach. It is actually more common in the baseball world to hear the words hitting approach, but instead I have my reasons and I'll use hitting plan. No easy button. The action of hitting a baseball is an extremely difficult task, and we all know that. Let's take a look at some numbers to give it some context. Batting average, because of its omissions, is not the best stat to use to quantify a hitter's value, but it is a popular stat that, for great hitters, hovers around a success rate of only 30 to 35%. The all-time best home run hitters only hit a home run 8% of the time. A batter has approximately one quarter, one-fourth of a second to see the pitch coming before having to decide whether to swing or not. If the batter misjudges the timing of the pitch by milliseconds, they will be unsuccessful. If a hitter misestimates the pitch's path by an inch or two, 
they will likely be unsuccessful. Bottom line, hitting is very challenging, even for the best in the world. Therefore, simplifying the hitting process down to its bones should be welcomed with arms wide open by all hitters and all coaches. Hitters and hitting coaches have for years worked to simplify the swing, and in this article, I will simplify the hitting plan, or as it's commonly known, the hitting approach, down to three options. And more importantly, I will explain that choosing which plan to use is inherently super simple. Exit here. Now before we go any further, if you are an old school baseball person and still think major league front offices use stats like a pitcher's win total to determine a pitcher's value, well, you should stop reading here. Likewise, if you're a new school baseball person and you discredit someone's knowledge of the game simply because they were involved in baseball before the turn of the century, well then, you too should stop reading right here. Now, for the rest of you, I am certain, no matter the depth of your baseball knowledge, that you'll find the following information extremely insightful and most importantly, very, very, very useful. Simpler than we've thought. Let's look at some common thoughts about hitting plans. It's very common to hear hitters discussing what they're looking for in, say, a 2-0 count or what they were looking for in a 1-1 or what they were trying to do in an 0-1 count. Indeed, each of these counts have different ratios of balls and strikes. However, in this article, I'll explain why a hitter should actually use the same hitting plan for all three of those counts. Moreover, it's very common to hear hitters and coaches discuss what kind of pitch to look for when ahead, even, or behind in the count, referring to the ratio of balls and strikes. This article will show that being behind, even, or ahead in the count in regards to the ball strike ratio should not dictate the hitting plan. I know for a lot of you what I just said doesn't vibe with what you've always thought or with what you've always been taught. Trust me, I understand. And because of that, after watching, playing, coaching, and studying baseball for 30 plus years, I can undoubtedly say I am very excited to share the following information with the baseball community. Trout Farm. Before we jump into the nuts and bolts of each plan, let's take a swing by the Trout Farm to see an example of how even the best hitter, when hitting without the correct plan, can fall for the pitcher's bait, hook, line, and splitter. It was summertime a few years ago, and I had scored four Diamond Club tickets for my best friend to the Angels-Yankees game. On top of that, my buddy Heldy, an ex-pro baseball player, born and raised in the Dominican, a Dominicano, was in town visiting. Now, let's fast forward to mid-game, and as I was returning to my seat with some deliciously loaded nachos, I heard the stadium sound system begin to thump. As I sat down, I peered over to the Angels on deck circle just in time to see the great Mike Trout walking toward the plate. Mike had his confident swag going and the stadium was getting louder. The incredible Trout was coming up the bat and he was coming up the bat with the bases loaded. On the mound was Masahiro Tanaka, a quality pitcher that had held the Angels scoreless up until that point. But he had put himself in a tough spot after losing his command for a few hitters, allowing the bases to fill with angels. The count went to three balls and one strike, putting Trout in a prime position. Everything was in Mike's favor. A 3-1 count, 
the home crowd support, and the bases were packed with his teammates. What happened next was quite shocking, even for a guy like me that played professionally and had been going to Major League Baseball games since the mid-80s. What happened next made it crystal clear that Ted Williams was so clearly right. The most important thing for a hitter with less than two strikes is to swing at a pitch he can drive hard and far while laying off everything else. We'll come back to the Trout versus Tanaka showdown in a minute, but let's first talk about plan A. And again, you can call this whatever you'd like. Maybe plan one. Plan A is what I'm using. Again, pick something simple that makes sense. Now, I call it plan A, like I said. You can put any name on it you'd like. Plan A will be the most commonly used hitting plan and is used when there is zero strikes or one strike. When a hitter is using plan A, the hitter is looking for a pitch that can be crushed. As Teddy Ballgame put it, a pitch he can handle, a pitch he can drive. Each hitter's hot zone, well, it'll vary some. Take Trout, for example. He crushes low pitches, while many other hitters struggle hitting that pitch in that location. Although, generally speaking, a meatball is a meatball, and a cookie to one is a cookie to all. Now, while the pitch selection may vary slightly between hitters, the aggressiveness of their swing should not. In plan A, when the hitter sees the pitch coming, and it's clearly a pitch that can be driven hard, the hitter needs to swing full speed, and nothing less. More specifically, the bat should be going full speed through the contact zone. Do note, when I say full swing, I mean a controlled and well-balanced full speed swing, not out of control and not overdoing it. Fastballs down the middle, hanging breaking balls, flat sliders, belt high changeups are all pitches that should be crushed. To keep it simple, hitters should look for the pitch to be in a certain location and avoid looking for specific pitch types, unless the hitter is super advanced and has a solid knowledge of the opposing pitcher. For most hitters, location should be the only prerequisite for a swing. What is never allowed while using plan A are weak swings. A hitter should never slow their swing down through the contact zone when using plan A. Never. If a hitter is fooled late when using plan A, it's better to swing and miss than to hit the ball weakly especially for older players with better defenses in front of them. A perfect example of this occurs when a hitter is fooled by a good changeup, and rather than continuing to swing hard, the hitter slows the swing down in order to make contact. Well, by making contact with a weaker swing, the hitter did the pitcher and the defense a huge favor. The hitter likely produced an easy out for the defense, and let's just hope it wasn't a double play. Many young hitters create a habit of just making contact, but with a lot of focused reps, a hitter can break this bad habit. I believe this bad habit stems partly from youth players having a strong ego-driven fear of missing the ball, and that's completely understandable. They don't want to look bad in front of their friends, and the worst thing to them is missing the ball completely. As coaches, we need to make it extremely clear to our hitters that it is okay and perfectly fine to swing and miss a pitch so long as it was in the location that allowed the ball to be driven hard. 
If the hitter swings full speed at a hitter's pitch, yet misses, it should still be viewed positively. The hitter worked the plan, and by working the plan, the hitter will not be guaranteed success, but they will optimize their chance of success. Now, if your hitters are getting fooled frequently, or if you're a hitter and you're getting fooled frequently, I highly recommend changing the batting practice plan to include random pitches, a random variety of pitches, or maybe take a good look at the swing technique to see if it needs some tinkering. I do highly recommend focusing on perfecting the hitter's plan before getting overly consumed with fixing the swing. To reiterate, in plan A, the hitter is never trying to just put the ball in play or to protect the strike zone. The one caveat to that would be in a hit and run situation when a hit and run has been signaled in from the coach. The hit and run is not uh, typically the batter's choice or something that the, the hitter decides to do. It's typically signaled in from the coach and thus we are not going to dive into the hit and run plan in this particular article and it's not really part of the three plans that the hitter can choose from. Again, how does a hitter know when to use plan A? Simple, when there's less than two strikes. Any count with less than two strikes inherently gives the hitter another opportunity. If a swing and miss were to occur, or if the pitcher were to throw a strike in a difficult to hit location, the at-bat would still continue. Now let's go back to that 2-0, and 01 discussion from earlier. The commonality is that all three counts have less than two strikes. The number of strikes, now we'll go back on that. 2 and 0 and 0 and 1 have been or and are typically perceived as two different types of leverage. Now, while yes, you're closer to striking out in one of the counts and the 01 count, and you're closer to say a walk with the 2 0 count. The commonality is what's important in that they have less than two strikes. The number of strikes is what's important to follow, not whether the count has more balls than strikes or whether it has more strikes than balls or an even amount of strikes and balls. With zero strikes or with one strike, the hitter is not down to the last strike. Why swing at a tough to hit strike when the at-bat is assured to continue, whether the count is 0-1 or 3-1. Great hitters do not go into strike zone protection mode with less than two strikes. The other team has nine defenders hoping the hitter does just that, especially when there's an opportunity to turn a double play. Great hitters understand that with less than two strikes, adding a strike to the count is immensely better than adding an out or two to the scoreboard. Plan A means seeking an A-plus pitch to hit and then giving it an A-plus swing. The trout went fishing. Now let's return to that nice summer evening in Anaheim to check back in with the amazing Mr. Trout. The bases are loaded, the count is three balls, one strike, and Trout, the game's best hitter, is standing in the batter's box ready to drive in some runs. Trout clearly had the confidence going, as always. He has that swag. He had the crowd in his favor. It was getting loud. The thing is, and the thing was, he didn't have what was the thing he needed most, the right plan, plan A. What unfolded next clearly illustrates 
that without using the correct hitting plan, even the best hitters, and many could argue the best hitter in the world, can look as bad as the 12th best hitter on a t-ball team from Montana. Hey, and that's no knock on the baseball in Montana necessarily, but that's more of a knock on the winters lasting until Memorial Day and those fields being ice. And I've spent a lot of time in Montana, a lot of winters, and every summer growing up. So I know exactly the uh, difficulty of getting out on that field. It's not like Southern California and Florida, Texas, and those warm states. You go year-round. Now, as Tanaka delivered the pitch, it was immediately clear that it wasn't going to be anywhere near the strike zone. The release point was wildly off, and the ball was steeply angled downward. Remember, with a 3-1 count, Trout should have been in plan A mode. He should have not only been looking for a perfect pitch, but in 3-1 bases loaded, he should have been looking for a pitch that he could absolutely crush. However, the pitch landed in the dirt, three feet in front of home plate. That's that's not abnormal for a Little League game, but three feet in front of home plate in the major leagues is not something you see a lot of. And yet, the great Mike Trout swung. He probably couldn't have reached the pitch if he was swinging a darn canoe oar. Now, that splitter three feet in front of the plate had no chance. And the only chance Mike Trout had would have been having plan A and sticking to plan A and taking it for ball four and scoring a run and letting the next guy do some more damage. Let's give some context to the situation here. There have been over 10,000 major league hitters. And Mike Trout is already in the top 300 for the most career walks. One doesn't get there by routinely going up to the plate and getting up to bat without a plan. One doesn't get that high up on the walk leaderboard by swinging without restraint. Trout is an extremely intelligent hitter. And his physical skills, well, they're off the charts. He is the best hitter in today's game, yet the best hitter in the world without a clear hitting plan, like Mike was in this particular situation, can look really, really terrible and have zero chance at success. Some may ask, what if he just got fooled by a great pitch? In the major leagues, there's no such thing as a hitter's pitch that lands three feet in front of home plate in a 3-1 count. Living minutes from where Mike Trout has played all of his home games in his career and seeing him play often, that 3-1 swing, it had me a bit shocked. But it was the 3-2 pitch that removed all doubt that Mike was clearly without a solid hitting plan during that at-bat. On the 3-2 pitch, Tanaka delivered a fastball on the inner third and Trout watched it go right by for strike three. His bat did not move an inch. And now the inning was over and he left three teammates on base and his team was still losing. And according to Fangraphs.com, Mike Trout has seen 21,180 pitches as of you know the middle of 2019. And his contact rate is 95% for that area in which Tanaka's 3-2 fastball passed through. So Mike clearly had the ability to hit that pitch. And with 95% contact rate, it's probably a pitch you know I've seen and, and a lot of you have seen him hit pretty hard. What Mike needed on that 3-2 pitch was plan B. Plan B is the hitting plan hitters need to use when the count has two strikes. 
With two strikes, a hitter must not swing at everything, but a hitter must swing at anything in the strike zone as well as any pitch within a few inches of the strike zone. And for youth players, plan B, it may necessitate swinging at pitches within a foot of the strike zone depending on what the umpire is calling that day for a strike. Unlike plan A, using plan B, the hitter will swing as aggressively as the pitch allows. So remember in plan A, it's 100% swing. Again, you're not over swinging in plan A, but you're never under swinging. You're always giving it a full solid swing in plan A. Now in plan B, the hitter will swing as aggressively as the pitch allows. If the pitch happens to be a meatball in the crush it zone, then the hitter will swing full speed. If the pitch is well executed by the pitcher, then the hitter will need to adjust his swing. So a pitch on the outside corner, inch off the plate at the knees, that's highly likely to be a strike, but is not a pitch that you would ever even think about swinging at in plan A. Well, you're going to have to, as a hitter, adjust your swing speed and your path of the swing to hit that ball with as much power as the pitch allows. Now, you may be able to give it a full swing, but you know that's assuming you knew that pitch was going to be there. And again, you're protecting uh, quite a big area. So when the pitcher executes something out there, typically you're not going to be able to just give it your A-plus swing. So yes, in plan B, against a well-executed pitch, the hitter will want to just put the ball in play rather than strike out. If the pitch is near the strike zone, the hitter should put his best swing on the pitch, leaving it up to the umpire, especially at the youth levels. That's a huge risk. In fact, Mark Williams at Boston University did a study on the strike zone of major league umpires and concluded that over the past 10 years, major league umpires have incorrectly... Now, hold on. You, wait, wait till you hear this. Now, if you watch a lot of baseball and you watch closely, you're not going to be super surprised by this, but many of you guys are, are going to hear this number and think that it's, a, it's an absolute... Uh, mistake, but I triple checked it and here it is. MLB umpires have incorrectly called 28,182 pitches. 28,182 times a pitch that was technically a ball was called a strike by an umpire. Now, the real kicker to that stat is that the data set, the data set, only includes pitches in which the count had two strikes. That is an error rate of almost 30%, and each time it resulted in a strikeout. 28,000 strikeouts that were actually a result of the pitch being a ball. Now, trying to estimate with the human eye in one one hundredth of a second whether or not a 93-mile-an-hour pitch, if it's a fastball, that's probably the easiest of the bunch. Then you start throwing on all the pitches that are moving and sliding and things like that and cutting. Trying to see if it crossed over the corner of the plate at the correct height, that's extremely difficult. That's incredibly challenging for umpires to do accurately. Even at the youth level, with pitches traveling much slower, it is very difficult for umpires to be perfect. Perfect, and, and, and of course... The umpires at the youth level are not professional umpires, all right? And they got a million other things. They probably have two other jobs they do. And umpiring is something that they either do for fun, they do here and there, or they're young and they're just starting out and just trying to make some money, you know, to pay the bills. So, hitters of all ages, you've been forewarned. Go up there and take that pitch close to the zone at your own risk. Again, it's better to put the ball in play 
then they'll leave it up to the umpire on those pitches close by. I'm not talking about pitches way outside and in the dirt and up at your eyes, okay? Some of you may be wondering, what about a 3-2 count? Should the hitter be more selective being only one ball away from a walk? Simple answer, no. Even in a 3-2 count and one pitch away from a walk, the hitter should not let a pitch close to the strike zone go by without a swing. No matter how many balls the count has, with two strikes, a pitch near the strike zone should get the hitter to not leave it up to the umpire and thus put a swing on it. Note, there is an acute situation that may exempt super advanced hitters from using plan B. And this is super advanced hitters. Extremely advanced hitters might have the mental agility and the mental wherewithal to vary their plan B when facing a two-strike count with less than two outs and a runner on first base. In this situation, it's best to maintain a full or mostly full swing, preferring the worst-case scenario of a strikeout over rolling over into a tailor-made double play. And again, that's for extremely rare. I wouldn't teach this to young players, not, not in a million years. Plan A and Plan B are the two main plans. However, there is a third plan that can be used effectively, but it too has a set of parameters. Let's talk about plan take. And again, you can call it whatever you'd like. I use plan take. Yogi Berra wittingly said, you can observe a lot by watching. Now the humorous all-century team catcher was an extremely observant player and one of the greatest hitting catchers of all time. Go check out his stats. They're pretty impressive, especially for the era in which he played. Yogi Berra had a uniquely keen eye for the game and at the plate. With that in mind, let's discuss the third hitting plan. As I said, I call it plan take, but any name would work. Plan take is going to be the least used of the three plans. And some of you can already guess where I'm going with this just by the name. Plan take is the only plan a batter truly chooses. Plan A... Plan B are solely dictated by the number of strikes, whereas plan take can be used when the hitter feels the need to observe a pitch before moving to plan A. Plan take is a choice, but it should only be used when the count has zero strikes. By choosing plan take, the hitter is putting plan A on hold for a pitch or two. When a hitter chooses plan take, they want to take the next pitch regardless of how juicy it is. Some may wonder why I've Hitter would just go up and decide not to swing at a ball or not to swing at the pitch before the pitcher even starts his delivery. And there's some excellent reasons for this. There are some excellent reasons for using plan take from time to time. For example, a hitter may want to see how the pitch looks before adding a swing into the equation, especially if the pitcher has an atypical delivery or a unique pitch type. Some pitchers have very deceptive or quirky deliveries, such as a sidearm pitcher, giving hitters a good reason to closely observe a full pitch before enacting plan A. Another situation that may warrant using plan take is when facing a pitcher with uncommon velocity. The hitter may want to gather intel on the timing of the pitch or the path that the pitch is taking before committing to a swing. With better timing and a better understanding of how the next pitch will look, a hitter may actually increase their at-bat success rate even if the count goes to 0-1. and 1. 
The icing on the plan take cake occurs when a hitter gets to collect valuable pitch information while also dodging a strike. The MLB average strike percentage is 62%. Thus, an MLB hitter at the highest level with the best pitching using plan take to simply gather intel still has a 38% chance of avoiding a strike. Now, the strike percentage would definitely go up if the catcher and the pitcher knew that the hitter was not swinging. So that's why it's extremely important when in plan take to keep that poker face while maintaining a look of a heavy hitter. As we finish up with plan take, there's one last situation that may warrant its use. And that's when the pitcher has been excessively wild for two or more of the previous hitters. When a pitcher is struggling with his command, and again, for two or more hitters, I think a pitcher that struggles for one pit for one hitter, that's not enough of a sample size. I think you should still be ready for plan A, ready to go. But if that pitcher has been struggling for two or more hitters, that is a great opportunity to use plan take. The last thing an offense should do is swing into a quick one pitch out or worse a momentum changing double play in this situation so it's important to take that wild pitcher and make them earn your swing now those are the situations that may warrant plan take but the real key for the batter once they've decided on using plan take is to focus intently on the pitcher's delivery the release point the pitch path and the pitch speed then take a deep breath Apply the collected information and then crush one of the following pitches. In summary, plan A, used when the count has zero or one strike. The batter will only swing at a pitch that can be hit hard and preferably driven far. The counts for plan A, 00, 10, 01, 11, 20, 2-1-3-1-3-0. All counts with less than two strikes. Plan B, used with two strikes. The batter is looking to swing at any pitch in the strike zone or within a few inches of the strike zone. The counts are 0-2-1-2-2-2-3-2. All two strike counts. Again, in plan A, you're trying to swing as aggressively as you can. Not out of control, but as aggressively as you can at a pitch you can crush. Plan B, you're trying to put the best swing you can on a pitch that's around the zone that has a high likelihood or will definitely be called a strike. Plan take, used with zero strikes when the hitter wants to see a full pitch before moving to plan A. This is not to be used with one strike. There's no reason to get yourself into two strikes. You don't want to get to plan B. You want the you don't want to put yourself in plan B without at least giving yourself a shot at plan A. So you're not taking two strikes and you do not want to take a strike unless you use it in those situations that we discussed a minute ago. So in sum, hitting is extremely hard. Anybody who's seen a baseball game or understands baseball at all understands that. And surely anybody who's been in the batter's box understands that. Hitting is extremely difficult. You're talking about milliseconds here, milliseconds to decide. And then you got to put a good swing on it. Do not make this harder than it needs to be. For years and years, the game of baseball as a collective whole has made the hitting approach, or as I like to call it, the hitting plan, more complicated than it needs to be. And 
especially at the youth levels. If you're a professional player and you have all day to sit around and look at scouting reports and throw on some virtual reality headsets and hit off Verlander because he's pitching that day and you can take 100 swings off him in a, you know, in a, in a back room with a virtual reality deal, that's different. But for 99% of the players, 99.9999% of the players that are playing baseball, you need to keep the hitting approach, as I call it, the hitting plan, simple. And the simplest way you can do it is by using the strikes, the number of strikes. Less than two strikes, plan A. Two strikes, plan B. And then you have plan take for those situations when you're facing a really wild pitcher and you want them to earn a, you know earn something, throw a strike before he earns your swing, or a very atypical pitcher that you want to just see the pitch coming in. You want to time it, you want to see it, you want to see the path before committing to plan A, before, and you're willing to sacrifice a strike if need be because you're still going to get one strike in plan A at least and you're, you still have plan B to fall back on after that. We make this too difficult and it's understandable. So when I hear hitters and coaches talking about, I'm ahead in the count, I'm behind in the count, we need to ignore, you need to trust me on this, we need to ignore that ratio of strikes and balls because a 0-1 pitch should have the same exact swing as a 3-1 pitch and a 3-2 pitch should have the exact same approach as an 0-2 pitch because at the end of the day, if you strike out with three balls, in the count or with no balls in the count, you're still out. And two, in plan A, you never want to hit it weakly. You never want to swing less than full speed. You'd rather get a strike than put an out on the scoreboard. You'd rather take a strike and then get to the next pitch rather than earning an out, getting an out, and then, or worse, rolling into a double play. All right, coaches and players, one last thing. We as a collective group of coaches and players in the game of baseball, if we want to take hitting to the next level and we want to get better as hitters, and I truly believe there's a there's there's a area there that can be improved greatly, especially at the youth level. I mean, I'm talking all the way up to high school, and that is to focus more time honing in our ability to swing and take the pitches according to where they are and according to if we can crush them or not, especially in plan A and in plan B, swinging at the pitches that we need to swing at and taking the pitches that you know are definitely outside the zone rather than spending so much time on the swing. I get it. The swing is important. But one thing, and I had a talk the other day with a really, really, really smart high school coach. We sat down and I was talking to him about this and I said, you know what? One thing that hitters work on from the time they're three, you know, especially if they're, they've been into baseball, three, four, five years old, they started swinging. They've all worked on that swing. They all have been hitting, you know, rocks and tennis balls and, you know, all sorts of things their whole life. But I'll tell you one thing they are not doing out on the playground. One thing they are not doing out there in the front yard. They are not sitting there working on what pitches to take, what pitches not to swing at, you know, what pitches to swing at, what's a really good pitch. They're not. They're not honing their plan. They're not honing their approach. So I would make this, I make this statement to coaches when I'm talking to them. I think that hitters need a lot more coaching on the plan, the approach, than they do on their swing. 
I think they are so much more likely to figure out how to swing and how to you know put a good swing on a ball and, and hit it hard. They're far more likely to do that than they are to go up there and learn and to get to a place where they have a great approach. I think the approach, the plan, the hitting plan takes a lot of time. And I think if you are coaching youth baseball, you shouldn't get into the swing very much at all unless their swing is just so bad, right? Unless their swing is so bad that you need to make an adjustment. Just focus on the plan. Focus on the approach and let the kids' natural ability, you know, hit that ball. And I'll finish with one huge tip. This is so important if you want to get that hitting plan dialed in faster. If you want to get that hitting plan dialed in at all, in some cases, you must let the hitters know during batting practice or during any hitting drill how many strikes there are. You don't need to give them the count. You just tell them plan A, plan B, or simply tell them, hey, less than two strikes in this round two strikes in this round, or the first five pitches are plan A, the next five, the next three are plan B, all right, and obviously in batting practice, you're not going to do a lot of plan take, but they should know whether it's plan A time or plan B time every time they step into the batter's box during batting practice, or every time they step up to that hitting drill, because it means the whole It means everything to what the hitter is going to want to swing at, what the hitter needs to swing at. They must know whether they are in plan A or plan B or whatever you want to call it. They must know that there are either two strikes or less than two strikes. That is the only way your hitters are going to expedite this and get their hitting approach or hitting plan better, faster than they would otherwise. All right, coaches, you can tell I'm extremely excited about this, and I just think that it's something that has been discussed. It's discussed all the time in the baseball world, you know, the approach, the approach, the hitting plan, and this and that. And I truly believe we we broke it down, we distilled it down to the two approaches you need, the only two approaches you need. And if you take plan take and put that aside, because that's something that you know, doesn't require a swing. You're simply just standing up there like a an aggressive looking statue and just gathering some intel. But with plan A and plan B, those are the only two hitting plans, the hitting approaches a hitter will ever need. Keep it simple because hitting is so difficult already. All right, coaches, players, this has been a blast being here with you. This is Coach Bo. Thank you for your time. Take care. This has been the 8020 Baseball Experience. This is a really good team, and so you have to earn everything you have against them and take opportunities when they present themselves. Take it to the field. 